Looky there, looky there. A little intro music to spice things up here on episode four of Educational Leadership on the Go. I'll tell you what, really excited here about episode four. Uh, Episode four is going to be an introduction, so to speak, to cultural proficiency. This episode is going to be with Dr. Dustin Bay, myself, and with Dr. Jamie Wellborn, our resident expert on cultural proficiency. Uh, It's really awesome to see the work uh, that Dr. Wellborn is doing around cultural proficiency, bringing it to to schools and bringing it from uh, all over the world right here to St. Louis, Missouri, where we're based out of. Um, So this episode, you are going to learn a lot um, and and maybe you have some background or some knowledge, but what I really liked hearing was the history behind it um, and why is that important education? Why is that important? Because we uh, sort of live in this realm, right, where it's grab the next great thing and grab the, the next uh, phrase and, and grab, the, uh, you know, whatever we can get our hands on because we got to keep up with the Joneses, right? But uh, what I love is Jamie, uh, before she jumps into it, really gives the background knowledge and the history of how we've kind of got to this point in cultural proficiency and what that means uh, for your school um, for your business, um, and, and I, I emphasize that because we've talked about this being educational based, but this is something that uh, if you're a business owner and you're looking to expand and understanding the dynamics of your workforce and the dynamics of the people around you, this is a really, really, really good episode uh, to hone in on. So uh, Dr. Wellborn uh, kind of takes the lead uh, as I work with her through this. We are so happy. We are having a great response um, so far on iTunes, getting a lot of listens, uh, a lot of people reaching out to us uh, and, and talking to us and giving us feedback. We always appreciate that. Um, and if this is your first time joining us or uh, you haven't subscribed yet, hit up Educational Leadership on the go and you can find us on iTunes. This is our fourth episode. You can also find episodes on the role of the principal, um, work and home life balance and grading practices. And let me tell you something, this is the power of educational leadership on the go. Let me tell you something. We've had one guest, one guest, Dr. Nisha Patel, who was the assistant superintendent of secondary schools in Fox, now just named superintendent, the new superintendent of Fox schools in the Fox school district. We're batting a thousand. You come on here, you're a superintendent. I don't don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sure that's what it has to, you know, we we can relate it back to educational leadership on the go. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say congratulations to Dr. Nisha Patel. She is one of the most brilliant people I've ever come in contact with, much less worked with. Uh, It has nothing to do with being on this podcast and everything to do with her hard work, her determination, and she is really focused on changing the world, uh, a student at the time, and uh, I could not, could not be more excited uh, that I get to work alongside and with uh, such an amazing person and Dr. Nisha Patel. So congratulations to her, and we do thank her again for coming on our podcast uh, and talking about grading practices. Um, so you can reach out to us. One thing that we really want to do is uh, become more and more interactive. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So you can hit us up at leadonthego at gmail.com. Leadonthego at gmail.com. Questions. We'd love to start something, a little discussion from the audience, especially over the summer months uh, where maybe people have a little bit more time to listen. Uh, if you have guest ideas or just topic ideas you'd like us to discuss, please reach out at leadonthego at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, 
Mine is educate underscore Bain. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, search Jamie Wellborn uh, and Dr. Ryan Looning, who is with us most of the time on these podcasts. Uh, but for today's episode, cultural proficiency, Dr. Jamie Wellborn, our resident expert, takes us through this. You will notice at the end we kind of cut it off because as leaders, we know we can only take so much in and we've all walked uh, from our PDs and just been like, I, I don't even know where to start. So we're just going to give you a little taste of cultural proficiency today and a little bit of the knowledge that I think you'll see that uh, Dr. Wellborn has. Um, and then we will pick this discussion up at a later date. So hit us up on iTunes, let us know how you feel, and we are glad that you decided to join. So for uh, educational leadership on the go. As we jump in here to cultural proficiency, this is something that I think about because um, one of the reasons to do the podcast is not because we're so warmed with knowledge that we have so much to share that we're the experts in education. It's really about us wanting to learn from each other, from the topics we research, from the things we talk about. So I think that this is an example of one of those where I know this is an area where I admittedly, as a reflective practitioner, know I have to learn more about, have to be more open, and just need to do a lot of learning. So um, just like in, in some instances, you know, you may, uh, in talking to Jamie, going to have a little bit more knowledge. Others are going to have other knowledge. And that's what I think makes this fun. A lot of sharing, a lot of talking, a lot of conversation. And I hope that's the way it comes off. We're definitely not broadcast experts, but we have things to share. and We hope that they uh, can be shared and, and, and help others around us. So let's dive right in. And um, we're going to kind of uh, lay some groundwork in this episode. Uh, we're not going to get too, too deep. We hope to uh, kind of build on this, but I think it's important to have an understanding. You know, I think sometimes we dive into the middle of things and don't establish uh, whether that be RTI or whatever it is. I feel like some people just, uh, it's swinging, and so we got to dr- jump on that swing driving by right now and go with it. So what is cultural proficiency, Dr. Wellborn? So, Dustin, you talked about, uh, you know, it's just fun to get together and talk about and learn from each other. And and that's what we do in education. We have to be constantly reflective and and looking for uh, new ideas and new learning. So, uh, cultural proficiency, uh, I'm I'm certainly not an expert. I have had the privilege in in working with uh, the group that really developed cultural proficiency in education over the past three years. Um, but it, it started way, way back. It's not like a new fad. It's not a new coin term. Uh, back in 1983, a, a nation at risk came out, and it exposed a lot of uh, risks that we, we had in our country regarding education. Um, one particularly was the exposure to the public of the achievement gap and the, the reality of that in our country. And so uh, a lot of work started being done, not just in education, but it, it actually started in the healthcare field. Uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Terry Cross was working uh, in social work and mental health and uh, wanted to develop something that really would would help serve all populations uh, equitably. And so he came up with uh, cultural competence. That was the the first coined term of that. And he developed a scale. um, And and on the far right of that scale was cultural proficiency. Well, two guys that were working in education um, since the 1960s kind of uh, had a conversation with Terry and and brought this into education. And uh, their names are Randall Lindsay and Ray Terrell. 
and they did some extensive work. They they got a lot of um, partners involved in this, and and now this work of cultural proficiency has really grown into a big community of practice, and it it continues to kind of sprawl across our country. Um, so I was lucky enough during my dissertation research to get involved with this group and uh, kind of start my journey of cultural proficiency. I'll be the first to admit that when I was a teacher and I was an administrator, uh, I didn't know anything about cultural proficiency. I think I probably knew about some of the, the undertones of it, but I didn't know that it was something called cultural proficiency. And I had the opportunity to read this book, Culturally Proficient Education, and it's based uh, just on responses to poverty and everything uh, that I believed and valued as an educator, uh, my experiences, it all kind of aligned with what this book was talking about. And it is it is written by uh, Randy Lindsay, as well as two other colleagues, Michelle Carnes and Keith Myatt. But culture proficiency, if we get down into the root of it, what what is it? So I like to, to talk about it as kind of two different things. So one, it's the personal values and behaviors of individuals. So if you think about yourself just as a, a regular person, not an, even an educator, you come with values and behaviors. A lot of those things you've learned because of the experiences in your life. You know, none of us chose our parents, but we were, we were uh, raised in households that had uh, our own values and behaviors. And we learned that those were the norms of our, our lives, and it helped to shape what life was going to be like for us. Um, but then there's also the organization's policies and practices. And so this is where it gets into the school part of it, where we start looking at those policies that have been around, you know, in the school districts that we worked in way before we even got, uh, you know, landed there. Um, same thing at the university. There are things that are already put in place. It's kind of the way things are done around here. Um, you know, and then that branches into the culture part of, uh, of an organization. And so with those two things, uh, there's opportunities for interactions with students, educators, community members, and uh, sometimes when you bring in diversity, you get that conflict. And so cultural proficiency provides us with four tools to kind of recognize uh, barriers that exist, a continuum uh, to kind of place your behaviors, your values, all of those things on, and to help you grow towards cultural proficiency in the effort of serving uh, all students, all populations, what, whatever population you're working with, equitably. So, uh, and I know we're going to get into those four, you know, items. And um, the unique tools, the four unique tools, we'll, we're going to talk about those a little bit uh, as we kind of go along here. But one thing that you said um, that I love to reiterate when I'm talking to my staff or I notice when our superintendent, we, in education, right, we, the the I guess the reputation we've kind of got is do the thing that's happening right now, just do it, you know, and then the pendulum swings and you grab something else, right? Um, and I think it's important that naturally you establish that this is nothing new. And I think that's so important because um, what I appreciate about my leadership in, the, in our district is that it's not the flavor of the month. And I think that um, when you just try to, to chase the flavor of the month, you're really not doing anything. You're just chasing things, right? So when you start talking about the years that this has been around and that it really originated not necessarily in the educational field, I think it is important for people to understand that this isn't something new, um, that this is established, that this has been talked about, and um, this has been something that's been valued. 
Um, so I think that uh, that's a really important piece that I take away from there, that this isn't something somebody just threw out on a whim or in reaction to our current cultures or our current political state or whatever is going on around us, right, or whatever has happened around us. It's, it's not about, oh, well, this happened, so let's just get on this train. That's exactly right. And if you YouTube uh, Kikanza Nuri Robbins, she is another colleague uh, of the experts, Dr. Lindsay and Dr. Terrell, that I talked about. She has a YouTube video out there that she starts off by saying that this is not the, the latest, greatest Hershey bar. Like, it's not the, the thing that we're just jumping on the bandwagon now to try to solve problems. It's really something that can help you, you know, it, in life. And, and it's about relationships. It's about learning to work with people that are uh, for, from different areas than you, that have different values, behaviors, beliefs, uh, you name it. They, it's, it's a way of, of getting together and being able to uh, make progress, really. Right. And so I love how you establish the history. You establish what it is. I love how you, you broke it down into those two different things, your individual and your organization. You know, I think that is that is important. And I've heard you talk about in the, in the past of we have to first understand ourselves before we kind of move forward from that. So before we go any further, I think that we've also had some conversations outside of this one about what are misconceptions of cultural proficiency? Well, um, just to reiterate, you know, cultural proficiency is about yourself, like you said, but it is. It provides you with the, the opportunity to gain some personal insight you need to promote equity within your school. And a lot of times when we talk about culture or we talk about equity, uh, we have the, the natural reaction to just think about race. And race is a very important part of this. Um, just those differences, um, the things that we value that are different, uh, behaviors that are different, and, and how that presents in a school. Um, all of those things are important, but uh, Dr. Gary Howard uh, has written several books, but focuses in, in a couple of them about differences, and there are many lenses of difference. Um, it's not just about race, but it's about age, it's about gender, it's about socioeconomic class. Uh, I think there's maybe 20 or 25 differences that he discusses in, in his books. And it's important that as, as leaders in schools that we think about all of those. I, I think as our uh, country progresses, as our society progresses, we're going to see more and more differences. And I think it's important that now is the time to uh, learn about cultural proficiency and what it means, what it means for us as educators and leaders. I think that's where my real passion comes from. This is not about fixing anybody or um, making people change their mind about certain uh, behaviors or values. It's, it's not about that at all. It's about doing what's right for kids and, and helping to uh, make decisions and lead others in a direction that you know, just allows people to be more open-minded and produce those equitable outcomes for all of our children. And so what I hear you saying, uh, kind of to extract things from that, is that the common misconceptions, one of the first one is that it comes down the color, that it comes down the race. And again, I tell a story in your interview about being in London and what the word culture means there and what it means here. Just on the surface, it means different things, um, which is not a great thing. You know, and that and that's part of uh, the implementation of making sure people are aware of what we mean when we we talk about those things. 
Um, but empathy, the lens idea, think about the way you handle your staff, you know, and I've done an activity that I stole uh, from somebody in Leadership Academy where she brought in a beach ball and how each color of the beach ball has a different one and how we wrote, you know, this this strip is for parents, this strip is for sped students, for, you know, whatever. And every time you go around that ball, everybody has a different lens. And so we've talked about this, whether it's social, emotional, or uh, with cultural proficiency. You know, really, sometimes we try to make these things so hard, but really, let's let's just let's keep it simple, right? And talk about relationships and empathy and understanding and flexibility and all those things. So I, I heard some good things in there. So we've talked about what it is. We've talked about misconceptions. Why cultural proficiency? And I know we've talked about this a little bit in, in what you say, but if you could be to the point, you know, kind of that um, elevator speech, why, you know, why, why, Jamie, do I need to bring you into my school? Why is this something that, as a staff, we even need to worry about? What, what, what's something you respond to with that? Well, so I think it comes down to the kids, obviously. Um, but if you think about our society, and I kind of mentioned this before, but uh, we are going to continue to evolve and, and change and become blended as a country. You know, our, our country is thought of as the melting pot, and, and we will continue to see more and more differences, things that we have never um, been exposed to before, things that we have never heard of. And I use this example all of the time. You know, I grew up in a really small community, and there were groups of people that I, I was never exposed to. And um, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a, a bad thing while I was growing up in there. But as I grew older, I learned that there are so many more types of people out there, you know, with different perspectives, um, different experiences in life that uh, allow them to think the way they do and value certain things maybe more than I do. And so I think it's important that, you know, especially here in the city, we are going to Continue to see our populations of students diversify. Um, I, I, I even think back 10 years ago in education and what my classroom looked like compared to uh, when I arrived in Rockwood and, and was dealing with, you know, 24 nationalities. Um, there were groups of people that I had never been exposed to, and I think my passion is just learning as much as I can about those. And if we truly are uh, leaders in our building who are going to be able to meet, you know, all needs, whether we, you know, we can have uh, groups, homogenous groups of, of, of one race, but even within that one race, there are going to be so many differences. And unless we take the time to build relationships, to understand differences, to value that diversity, to learn how to work through conflict when um, those students and their parents and community member, the community members, you know, the schools of which we serve are different than ours. I don't think we'll be able to see that that true that true change. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, if you're sitting in a school or you're running a district and you're thinking, you know, is culture proficiency really something that we we need to focus on, I would say yes. And, and, you know, and so take a look at your population. And first thing to do is, is to start to understand um, how we are meeting certain uh, population's needs and maybe not meeting uh, those others. Yeah, I, a couple things that you uh, said as you were going through there that really jumped out to me. You know, you talked about uh, melting pot. And, and I'll be honest, I grew up in, in probably a kind of a similar area to you. 
And I really didn't have an urge or want to explore other cultures, to um, take in other, really, I guess, I don't know if I'd say thoughts, but just other ways of doing things, really. You know, we, growing up, had vacations, but they, uh, you know, they were sports-related a lot or whatnot. But it really wasn't until, like you said, I got a job teaching fifth grade, and I'll never forget, uh, we we had a lot of different cultures in the room. It was awesome. And what was really cool on Fridays, we would explore different cultures within our room. And it kind of just, it wasn't even necessarily intentional. I'd like to say it was, but it really wasn't. But we went to talk about the Taj Mahal. And I had three kids in my class in Chesterfield, Missouri, that had already been to the Taj Mahal. And that was not because they went on vacation per se. It was because it was family related or cultural related. And that was really that turning point where it's like, what have I missed? You know, what have I missed and how am I using this? And I'll never forget, we had a girl in our classroom from South Korea. She had only been in the country a year and a half. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It was only in the year, uh, year and she was already reading Harry Potter books in English. And, and I'll never forget her getting up on a Friday and talking about life in South Korea as it relates to school and to just life in general. And you could have heard a pin drop in my classroom as these kids listened to a girl who barely ever spoke. And I just thought about, oh my gosh, what power she had when she got to share her culture, when she got to put the teacher's cap on and have that power. And just the whole way the kids approached her after that moment spoke volumes to me. I'll never forget when you think about giving those kids power and turning the tables and how much interested our kids are in other cultures, but we just don't take the time to do it because, oh, we got to get math, we got to get science, we got to get all that in, when in reality, we need to slow down and expose them to these different things so that they are more accepting and it just it improves the classroom community and school community. So, this is a big part of cultural proficiency that you're talking about here. Um, so, a lot of the books talk about that cultural proficiency is an asset based approach uh, to education, working with people, that, that sort of thing. And so you're talking about right now of, of valuing diversity, and that, that fits within one of the four tools of the essential elements. And that is so important, and I, I think about this all the time and, and how I, like, my behaviors as an assistant principal and, you know, to what level did I value having parents come in and... Um, help better educate the, the kids we were serving because, uh, you know, I'm not Hispanic and I've been to Mexico one time, so what do I have to offer as the educator in terms of, of learning about the Hispanic culture? But when you start to tap into those resources that are already there and, and use those assets that are there, we can better educate um, our students, you know. It's it's important that those Hispanic students know um their place is is so important in it, and, you know, in our schools. And to have those families come in, uh, you know, we had a cultural night at Baldwin, and it was it was a huge success. And just the pride that comes with being uh, accepted in that school. And so that's one that's one thing that uh, you know we have to look at as as educators and principals. To what degree are we really valuing that diversity and helping? and allowing those assets to help educate the students. Well, and we are, you know, the name of this is Educational Leadership on the Go. And so we are talking about helping leaders or educators. But, um, you know, one of the things is 
obviously seeing the value, but then taking the bold step to go out there and do something about it. And I think this is one of those because, you know, on Twitter, I have colleagues that have done similar things to what you just said, and kudos to you guys at Baldwin uh, with uh, Tim Buss and you doing something about that, um, or Rodney when he was there, doing something about that. I mean, that takes just taking that first step and then doing it. And then, like you said, that night when people show up, you just see their their face light up because now it's just that that part of being accepted. And then what I think from that, from a leadership aspect and classroom aspect is then think about the next day when those kids walk in the classroom. It's a different game for them. It is now kind of, well, I'm here, now I'm in, I'm in the circle, you know, that circle of trust, and now I'm in the circle because now I know something about them, they know something about me. I just think that cultural proficiency, that understanding and learning aspect is huge. Yeah. yeah. So something you're, you're talking about there, um, you know, one of the barriers of cultural proficiency is, is privilege, and entitlement. Another is obviously a racism, oppression, things like that. And you know, one of the things that cultural proficiency uh, teaches or, or allows for learning in is looking within the practices of, of your school, your school systems that were set up I mean, many, many years ago to serve the, the dominant groups of the school. And so when you talk about um, changing practices, that would allow for um, us to serve other groups than that dominant group that's there or the, the majority uh, of the students that we serve, I think is so important. And, that, and that's one of the essential elements, too, is not only do you value that diversity, you work through the conflicts, but then you start to make the changes. And those aren't always easy, too, because, you know, we as teachers and educators, we all come together with different cultures and experiences and backgrounds as well. And so... Again, culture proficiency is just being able to use those tools to to help us better educate all of the students.